Hello and welcome back to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan and beside me is Ben and we thank you for joining us as we continue to talk about our passion for the past while being young at heart. Well, this is um, episode 21 and coming at you at the... um, beginning of December. Obviously, we're going to have our this month, but we are super excited to be able to give some support to a loyal listener from the beginning. So check this out. For all your Christmas and winter shopping needs, check out Cozy Knits by Real Big Stitch. That's Real Big Stitch spelled R-E-E-L, Big Stitch. Um, And so... She actually opened her Etsy shop back in 2014, and since then, since then, Emily has expanded her product line to include different patterns of beanies, scarves, reusable coffee sleeves, and even pet accessories, all in your choice of colors when it comes to yarn. Everything in her shop is handcrafted by her, and she even accept, accepts custom orders if you have something specific in mind for you, a loved one, or a friend. Um, just let her know in the comment section. So, a special offer to all of our loyal listeners out there. From now until December 31st of this year, you can get all of your Christmas shopping done through her shop by using uh, coupon code YOUNGNOSTALGIA, all in uppercase, no spaces. That's YOUNGNOSTALGIA, all in uppercase, no spaces, during a checkout um, at Cozy Knits. And you can receive, receive 10% off your order for your gifts um, this holiday season. Again, that is Young Nostalgia, all uppercase and no spaces in her Etsy shop that you can look into the show description and you will be able to uh, see what she has to offer and order your gifts now. It um, means a lot to us to be able to support her and have her support us since the beginning. Get 10% off your orders from Cozy Knits today. Um, she made me a beanie from last Christmas, and I absolutely love it. She does a great job, and uh, since we are graduating college, she put polar bears on it. <laughs> so freaking cool. Um, she yeah. makes Star Wars-oriented ones as well as um, you know your favorite house in Harry Potter as well. And I know Ben's been looking at um, you know kind of dipping into her shop as well. Right, and, and you know it's not just the 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 cheap you know offshore stuff you get on Amazon or anything like that. It's nice, high quality, um, handmade products exactly made made with love even though she probably doesn't know you <laughs> with that, again, love in every stitch <laughs> yeah again that's cozy knits by real big stitch spelled r-e-e-l real big stitch find her on etsy and use code young nostalgia for to receive 10 percent off without further ado this month in history for december ben how you doing uh it's been a good day good day to record young nostalgia <laughs> every day kick us off bud all right we've got december 1st of 1955 we have the the real birth of the american civil rights movement um as rosa parks was arrested in montgomery alabama for refusing to give up her seat to a white man um, and moved to the back section of a municipal bus Um, her arrest resulted in a year-long boycott of the city bus system by um african americans of the city um, and eventually led to legal actions ending racial segregation on municipal buses throughout the entire South. A little bit of a handful, but pretty much December 1st was kicking off what we know, like as we know now, the civil rights movement that uh, really just kind of paved the way for equal opportunity um, and equal rights for mm-hmm. everyone throughout the U.S. 
Right, and that that really kind of kicked it off, and and by now, really, you know, everyone knows the Rosa Parks story. They've made countless. There's been books, movies, um, you know, anything, any kind of media you can think of. Really, there's been you know something made about the whole Rosa Parks story, and so, um, pretty interesting that you know we have this coming up, this big date coming up on December first. Well, actually, it was back on December first. Excuse yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. By the time our episode releases, it it has already happened. But uh, super yeah. awesome and and super really shining light um, when it comes to a great time um, for this to all begin. Um, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. We always wish mm-hmm. you know this never would have like had to have happened. But um, Rosa Parks is is a great idol um, throughout American history. Mm-hmm. December 2nd, 1982, uh, the first permanent artificial heart was implanted in a 61-year-old Barney C. Clark by Dr. William D. Vries um, at the University of Utah Medical Center down in Sart Lake City. So um, Barney Clark, who was near death at the time of the operation, actually survived 112 days after the implantation of the first artificial heart. you know, looking back on it now, I mean, 112 days, and they talk about, they specifically say the first permanent artificial heart, which, you know, you, you hear that and you think, oh, you know, that's going to be a fairly long-term deal. Well, he ended up only surviving 112 days. You know, that seems like kind of a short period of time. But, you know, look back 1982, and that's the first time that ever happened. I mean, that was big. You know, it's not like... Oh, yeah. It's not like he prolonged his life for a couple hours or, you know, some other time period that would be mostly negligible. Um, but you know, that was a substantial period of time to be able to do that, uh, sustain life like that artificially. Definitely. And I think when something like this, like a life changing event that obviously happened for Barney C. Clark, Mm -hmm. you know, those 112 days could be possibly the best days of his life. Like Mm -hmm. the way that, you know, he, he knew he had a, you know, a, a second chance at life, I guess you could say. Um, you know, live it to its fullest, you know, be, be who you want to be and just kind of enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You know, that 112 days, it's not like, you know, it's not like another 30 years, but it's still definitely long enough to do things and, and and have a good time and make it meaningful. You know, it's not like it was a week and, you know, there's, you can do some things, but it's really short period of time. 112 days. That's, that's, that's quite a bit to actually do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, kind of, kind of piggybacking off of that, um, on December 3rd of 1967, um, we have the actual first successful heart transplant was performed by Dr. Christian, uh, Bernard at Cape Town, say, <laughs> excuse me, Cape Town, South Africa on, on Lewis Washgansi, um, who lived for 18 days. Wow. Well, an artificial heart kicks more butt than an actual heart transplant i guess yeah yeah that's true well it was also 20 years later yeah that's that's as true. well and so <laughs> you know who knows the other medical advances that weren't just the actual transplant you know the other just medical care in general was probably much better as well yeah very true but even mm-hmm. then i mean for the times of at 1967 for like a first successful heart transplant i feel like you know that's that's a lot that's it's a lot to do and, and to be able to practice and, and almost, you don't even know how the operation is going to go, how it's going to end. Oh, so, yeah. 
It's, and you know, 18 days, we were just talking about 120, 12 days, you know, 18 days really is pretty short, but you know, looking back on it, that 18 days, it's, it was more of a proof of concept, like, hey, this could work, we need to work on this, and then, you know, we know that this is a viable option to work towards in the future. Yep, and save people's lives, for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. December 4th, 1829, the British banned the practice of suti in in India, in which Indian uh, females traditionally burn themselves to death on their husband's funeral pyre. Uh, <laughs> Holy cow! <sighs> yeah, I would. You know, I was looking about that. You know, doing show prep and that, and that was one of the ones. Just like we when no one read it just now. It was just that pause afterwards. Like, wait, Dang. what? I mean, I. It's a part of their culture. I mean, I understand that. I taught not not ragged on that. At oh all. no, yeah, I, I um, didn't think you were, but. Holy cow! Maybe I don't really have anything to say about that. That's, yeah, I don't. That's I don't. Um, that would huh. be, that would that would be awful. And you know, it's. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna say burning to death is ever a good time. <laughs> but you know, it's not like you're trapped or it. You know, it's some horror. This it, it was voluntary. I mean, yeah, that's got to be not easy to do. I know. I mean, you know, they, they, uh, their, their culture is just what they know. It's, it's what they feel strongly about. That, yeah, it's, yeah, you're right. You're it's, right. Uh, I mean, I guess more, you know, it, we're looking at it from not a very good perspective, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it, it's also really interesting just how like the British government banned that practice. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. That yeah. That that is true. I mean, that's. Of course, I guess, you know, it wasn't that much prior to this that um, the United States kind of decided they were tired of the British telling them what to do. <laughs> true. That seems kind of like a common theme here. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to anyone listening in the UK, but uh, call it how I see it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, moving on. <laughs> kind of ran off the rails. Okay, December 5th, 1839, we have our first birthday of the show. <clears throat> George Armstrong Custer was born in New Rumley, Harrison County, Ohio. Um, he was born in 1839 and then later died in 1876. He graduated from West Point <laughs> at the very bottom of his class in 1861 um, before becoming a dashing cavalry officer in the Civil War um, and would later eventually fight at Bull Run. Um, he was appointed Brigadier General and served gallantly at Gettysburg in the Virginia com uh, campaigns. After the war, he took part in the Western Expedition against the Sioux Indians. Um, in June of 1867, Custer and over 200 of his soldiers in the U.S. 7th Cavalry, Cavalry excuse me, were killed by Sioux warriors at, Little, at the Little Bighorn in Montana. Um, which we would now commonly call as Custer's last stand. Uh, laundry list of achievements or... Oh, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's kind of funny that, you know, there's all those, you know, we talked about uh, advancements in his career and all the things he's done. It's funny that it's all started off with graduating at the bottom of his class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes to show it kind of, you know, 
it doesn't doesn't really make the man or, or the woman or d- depending on i don't know where i was going with that to be honest um <laughs> can't, yeah i mean can't, no can't judge a book by its cover yeah he's not you know advocating for dropping out or doing bad in school or anything like that <laughs> december 6th 1973 G- gerald ford was sworn was um sw- Sworn in as vice president under Richard Nixon following the resignation of Spiro Agnew, who Spiro. pleaded no contest in charges of income tax evasion. <laughs> These ones. Uh, <laughs> every time we talk about Richard Nixon or any of that, like we just can't. You just can't help but laugh because it was just one thing after another with. <laughs> You know, with this guy and the people around him, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can't even remember all the times. You know, he's come up in. Uh, he came up in the television history show, um, various other this month in history, and it's yeah. always has something to do with some sort of, you know, nonsense going on with him or people around him. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy right underneath him, Vice President Spiro Agnew. I mean, he was just kind of, he was surrounded by controversy and uh, soon later became a part of it. (laughs) All right, all right. Oh, man. Um, December 8th, 1980, um, former Beatle musician John Lennon was assassinated, assassinated in New York City. Man. My parents still like we count, we count, we count this day. Understanding, like just oh, remembering, really? um, you know, him like walking out of the apartment and all that. Nineteen eighty. I don't, I don't know. I guess I just assumed. I guess I don't know what I assumed. I don't know. I figured it was earlier than that. Really? Yeah. I mean, I well, guess he, it's you know it's all kind of far away for us, but. I mean, he kind of did his own solo career for a little while because the Beatles oh. broke up. And um, yeah, I can't remember when they broke up off the top of my head. But I'm yeah, look it up. yeah, I mean, he was up. having. <laughs> okay, well, uh, but yeah, he did have quite a you know a, a solo career going you know prior to that, and I think it was I believe it was still going on, was it not? Yeah, I'm so you know it's not like he retired or anything. I believe like he that. was it's, um he was with like Yoko Ono and all that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which sometimes, which is really interesting, because sometimes <laughs> you can you you hear stories. Um, 1970. That's it. They announced in 1970. I knew it. I knew oh, okay. it was that. So, ten years after the breakup of the Beatles, and a lot of people almost contribute, you know, kind of the falling out due to John Lennon's different thoughts and and the way that the band should go because of Yoko Ono's input. Like Yoko was almost too much involved. I have heard that. Yeah, it's it's like she was just kind of dictating what he should think, and then, you know, that wasn't really jiving with what everyone yeah, else was exactly. thinking. <laughs> <laughs> we are so we are we, we are so articulate here on this show. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> <Pretty> pros. <much. laughs> anyway, that was a sad time, um, especially just because of a pioneer of of music, um, you know, throughout the couple decades that. He was prominent in retro pop culture. Oh yeah, a member of one of the biggest bands, if not the biggest Ever. bands in history. 
December 9th, 1993, yeah. a five-day repair job in space on the $3 billion Hubble Space Three billion dollar Hubble Space Telescope was finished by U.S. astronauts. Well, we just talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the Hubble Space Telescope. We did. I can't remember what we talked about about it, but we did. Oh crap! I can't even. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, I think it was a this month in history because it was so five. It was Hubble. Hubble was, it was born when it was launched, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We talked. Yes, yes. I remember now. Um, yeah, and we talked about you know the uh, the new telescope yep, that's going exactly. up. Yeah, I yeah. mean that oh. five day repair job. So is that was it the mission entirely five days or was it like five days in space? I think it took five days to repair the Hubble Space Telescope. Hmm. I think you'd think that's that's moving pretty quick on something that costs three yeah, billion dollars, and especially when like you, whenever you see people floating in space, they look like they're going inch by inch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, um, moving along here, December tenth, eighteen fifty-one. We have another birthday. Um, and this is this is a guy that we everyone holds near and dear to their heart. Um. American librarian Melvin Dewey was born in Adam Center, New York. <laughs> of course, he is the inventor of the Dewey Decimal Book Classification System um, that we now see in, you know, public yeah. library school <laughs> libraries. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I just couldn't take myself seriously. Oh, my um, God. Holding myself, you know, you know, the hold near and dear to the heart. You know, it's not really something people think about. <laughs> anyway, he also advocated on spelling reform um, and was also a huge um, proponent of the metric system. Interesting. I mean, you can almost see kind of avenues of the of the accurateness of the metric system compared to, like, the Dewey Decimal system when it comes to libraries and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it is, it, all, it is all based on, you know, numbers and there's multiples of... 10 and decimals and well i guess it's the dewey decimal system so i guess that kind of <laughs> self-explanatory but uh Jeez. yeah that's true and i'm kind of glad that we didn't end up using the metric system like you <laughs> wanted to but uh that's besides the point well i mean well you know sometimes i can agree with you because when you're working on a car and you think it's one thing but it's actually in metric and then all you have is standard right next to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm severely lacking in metric tools, and I do drive a Japanese car. (laughs) Uh, December 11th, 1901, the first transatlantic radio signal was transmitted by Gujilamo. Gosh, you give me the ones. I I can't speak clearly anyway. I'm sorry. Transmitted. I'm sorry. I, I forgot to go through and highlight everything that would trip you Trans- up. I normally oh, do. Oh, trip me up. Trips. Tri- uh, anyway, so the first transatlantic radio <laughs> signal was transmitted by Macaroni from Cornwall, England, to St. John's, Newfoundland. That was on December 11th, 1901. And I'm pretty sure we, we've touched on that um, in depth in our uh, historical moments in radio. That was one of the big, big talking points. I believe we did. I'm pretty sure we started the show right off with that, with the very first uh, transatlantic yeah. radio signal. Yep. yep. If I'm not I, mistaken. I believe you're right. And and if I 
can remember right it was something of like it was a rebroadcast or something like that that was translated mm-hmm. across so yeah yeah I, yeah i think you were right um december 12th ninth or excuse me 1870 uh joseph Hain Rainey of Georgetown, South Carolina, became the first African-American to serve in the United States House of Representatives. Um, The seat that he took over had been declared vacant by the House um, previous to that, and he served until 1879. So he was actually in for nine years. Nice. That's awesome. That's, That's really awesome to hear, especially how... He came from you know South Carolina as well. I mean that's part of the. Yeah, I mean that was that was pretty far south for you know something like this to happen mm-hmm. at this time period. And I and uh, if memory serves me right, and there's been movies that have portrayed you know the um, Joseph Rainey as well, just because of the the prominent mm-hmm. nature of what he was able to accomplish po- um, politically wise as well as just civil rights wise as well. Yeah, I believe you're right. I haven't seen any of them, but I think you're right. Uh, December 13th, 1991, North and South Korea signed a treaty of reconciliation and non-aggression, which also formally ended the Korean War, although actually actual fighting had ceased back in 1953. But pretty much just the um, aggression back and forth was finally ceased back in mm-hmm. 1991. And we still have troubles with North Korea. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it, it says... It said formally ended the Korean War, and you know it's that's really not entirely accurate because I mean we still have the 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 demilitarized zone, yes, and there's still huge amounts of aggression back and forth, and it was really mostly a it was reconciliation and non-aggression, which it pretty much formally ended the physical yep. fighting. You know, I mean, which basically turned into kind of a cold war um, after that. Not, you know, really, (laughs) it really didn't end. It was, you know, there was still the aggression. Um, But, you know, I guess it's a formal treaty that, you know, I guess it does have some significance. It's more of just like, it doesn't really appear to have done political banter back and forth now between between all the countries. I mean, that's that's really what we come down to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, you know, in Vince, you know, today. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> um, December 14th, 1962, uh, the Mariner 2 space probe sent back information uh, from Venus. Um, and this, of course, is the first information ever received from another planet, um, which is, I mean, that that's phenomenal. From 1962. Yeah, that's amazing yeah i mean granted it probably it probably wasn't of you know the clarity and the 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 amount of information that you know we were able to to gain from a space probe today but you know that's still something from you know 1962 that's that's quite a feat oh yeah definitely especially you know of like the composition or you know even just photographs um it's it's amazing yeah, photographs. There's probably you know maybe several different uh, photographs of different spectrums, which is also huge for determining you know atmosphere and yeah, you know, that definitely. sort of thing. Um, 
all all really relevant information, even though you know it probably wasn't what we have. But today. hey, you got to start somewhere. December December fifteenth, nineteen sixty four, Canada adopted a new national flag featuring a red maple leaf on a white background. I guess I didn't really realize that you know Canada's flag was that yeah. young. I guess. Yeah, I was not aware hmm. of that either. Kind of neat though. It is kind of neat. 1964. I, you know, I can't say I actually know what it looks like prior to that. <laughs> I have no idea. Does that make me uncultured? I mean, just in Canadian culture, maybe. Oh, that's true. Well, here, Fair let enough. me look it up. I'll, you can continue. <laughs> I'm going to see what this looks like. <laughs> <laughs> December 16th, 1944. Um, the... Big band leader, the American big band leader, Glenn Miller, disappeared in a small plane over the English Channel and was assumed to be killed. Um, He is best remembered for the uh, very popular Moonlight Serenade and also the extremely popular In the Mood. Um, And so that was, you know, just another, you know, big, not necessarily a... uh, uh, of course, he's probably a musician as well, but you know, not known for that. He was the leader of the band, and uh, you know, just another one of no, another celebrity loss that we have on the list this week. Yeah, this I mean, uh, you know, Glenn, Glenn Miller is awesome and just kind of you know an, an iconic figure oh, yeah. in that whole swing era. I mean, you know, people hear like "In the Mood" or "Moonlight Serenade" and they know what the song is. They always like tap their feet or snap, especially in "In the Mood." It's it's fantastic. Oh yeah, I mean everybody has, you know, redone that. Every band leader, every, you know, kind of popular big band has, you know, done their own covers of those do, do, songs. Do, 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 do. <clears throat> if that's how uh well, I know how it goes, but it's like my never mind. December 17th, 1903, after <laughs> after 3 years of experimentation, Orville and Wilbur Wright achieved the first powered controlled airplane flights they made four flights near kitty hawk north carolina as well as the longest lasting about a minute Jeez, 1903 orville and wilbur wright just two bicycle you know mechanics two two bicycle makers making powered flight yeah and you know it's it's even better that it makes it even better that they weren't some scientists you know working for harvard or uh-huh. someplace like that they were just guys who, you know, granted they're extremely knowledgeable and talented, um, but still, you know, they weren't getting paid huge amounts of money for research and development and all that. I mean, they just decided they wanted to do this and they put the work in. And it did is it, very, is very cool. cool. And plus, their their names are awesome. <laughs> okay, that is also true. <laughs> um. <clears throat> On December 18th, 1916, um, the Battle of Verdun during World War I um, concluded after 10 months of fighting in which 543,000 French and 434,000 German soldiers were killed. And, you know, that's, you know, 10 months of fighting, which is a long time, yeah. you know, regardless. And then looking at it, I mean, half a million. That's that's huge. I mean, basically uh-huh. a million total. 
you know, from one battle. It was granted, it was a long battle, but well, wow. it's uh, World War you One was so devastating because it, it it brought oh, it in brutal. so many new aspects of war that people really never knew. Like they, you know, mm-hmm. gas. We talked about um, mm-hmm. like chemical warfare, and then as well as you know the the tank. Like the technology was advanced mm-hmm. for what war actually what people were used to as war being um right and part well part of the deal was that the especially at the beginning of war the strategies were still so antiquated old school kind of strategy you know really close quarters warfare that trenches but the technology had advanced so much that it was just the two didn't match up at all, and it was just like walking into a meat <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great way to think about it. And then you just have this um, no-man's land right in the middle of the, just two trenchers, and they're just pounding away at each other. It's just awful. Yeah, you know, you're not you're not hardly gaining anything, you know, inches a week, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, it was one. It was such a, a unique... Um, a unique war. I mean, there, there's the the front lines. They stayed so static for so long. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, December nineteenth, seventeen thirty-two. Benjamin Franklin, the one and only on the one hundred dollar bill, first published Poor Richard's Almanac, <laughs> containing weather predictions, humor, proverbs, and epigrams. Eventually, selling nearly ten thousand copies. Per year, that is um, 1732 on December 19th. <laughs> huh. I mean, that's I mean, that's really cool. I feel I feel like Ben Wait. Franklin was very much an articulate kind of guy, who people appreciated for his, you know, wittiness. Um, and, and you know, I feel like it does come <laughs> across in, in his writings. Hmm. And you know, I mean, you still. I mean, obviously, it's probably not the exact same as it used to be, but you still see Poor Richard's Almanac. <laughs> yeah. around you know at the checkout <laughs> counter of the drugstore yeah. or something like that you know with all the magazines <laughs> and stuff um you know probably not quite the same but uh it's cool that you know there's still something out there that yeah you know, bears I, the totally, title. I totally agree and, and if you think about it ten thousand copies <laughs> per year that's a lot for 1732 because i mean they didn't have like you know oh, machines yeah. to crank these <laughs> babies out like yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know, I mean, they did, but it was so incredibly <laughs> yeah. slow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, compared to today's standards where you might, I mean, they're probably making 10,000 yeah. Yeah. a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Pretty cool, though. <laughs> that's cooking. That's cooking. 10,000 for cooking. Year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on, December 20th, 1956, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, the Montgomery bus boycott ended after the U.S. Supreme Court ruling integrate. boy, excuse me, the U.S. Supreme Court ruling integrating the Montgomery bus system was in- implemented. Uh, the boycott by African Americans had begun on December 5th, 1955, after Rosa Parks was, of course, arrested um, for refusing to give up her seat on the bus and move to the That's back. That's awesome. Over a year um, of this, and and to be oh able yeah. to get a to year get everyone days. on the same page and really, you know, just cripple what the bus system was in Montgomery to make a difference is astronomical. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> no one to ride the yeah. bus. Yeah, they, I mean. <laughs> Revenues were cut 
by huge amounts. Awesome. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? I mean, it, it's go out of business or mm-hmm. comply. You know, yeah. I mean, so that's awesome. Great mark in history. December 21st, mm-hmm. 1945, World War II, General George Patton passed away in Germany following a car accident. He had been injured on December 9th near Mannheim and was uh, taken to a hospital in Heidelberg where he passed away. He was buried in Luxembourg, nicknamed Old Blood and Guts. He once stated during the war, quote, we shall attack and attack until we are exhausted, and then we shall attack again, unquote. <laughs> you know, General George Pat. I mean, that's, I don't know. I mean, that's, you just, that kind of, his personality just encompasses, like, that time period of uh, warfare for the United States. It was, you know, it, it was just a, you go in, you get the job done. Yep. And you get out. There's no, there's no dancing around. Um you you do your job, you do it well, it, and it then was you move boots on. Boots on the ground. That's what it was. Boots on the ground. Oh yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> December twenty third, nineteen forty seven, the transistor, the first transistor, was invented at Bell Laboratories by John Bardeen, Walter Britton, and William Shockley, who all shared the Nobel Prize for their invention, and really began a worldwide revolution in electronics. <sighs> Um, you know, and it would be quite a while later that it was really, really that this, you know, the electronics, um, really, the revolution, really, I guess that's the best way of saying it, really started to begin. But, uh, you know, these guys, they, they, they started it off all the way back in 1947. Yeah. I mean, it's so awesome to think about. I mean, if you think about it too. You know, because of Bell Industries, John Bardeen, and all these other guys, we wouldn't be here doing this podcast if it wasn't for them. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's got my my microphone, my iPhone, my laptop all sitting right here in front of me that would not at all, would have you know no place <laughs> in history if it weren't for um, oh, transistor. So cool. And then like always in the, in the <laughs> in some songs, you always like hear transistor radio and. And uh, growing up with that and stuff like that oh, with yeah. our parents. And, yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yep. Uh, December 24th, 1905, we have a uh, third birthday, I believe. Howard Hughes, born in 1905, passed away in 1976, was born in Houston, Texas. He was a movie producer, aviator, and industrialist whose legendary desire for privacy generated many rumors and much curiosity. Hmm. Perhaps best remembered for designing mm. an eight-engine fly, uh, flying boat nicknamed the Spruce Goose, which was to carry 750 passengers, although it only made one brief test flight, which I know we've talked about Howard Hughes in the past as well, um, which mm. actually I believe it had something to do with the Spruce Goose with this month in history back in November or October, but uh, actually, actually, it had to be November. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I November. mean, that, that's yeah. it's pretty cool, and especially because there's so much conspiracy surrounded Howard Hughes's name. Oh yeah, and you know, even regardless of the conspiracies, just just an interesting guy. He had so much stuff going <laughs> yeah. on in his life. Um, you know, movie producer, aviator, uh, just overall industrialist. Um, he's 
there's not a whole lot that he what didn't do or you know wasn't involved in and and on top of that he was just kind of a quirky eccentric yeah it, it's guy. always interesting because you know you think you know <laughs> there's something big happening in the world or or the or the nation and somehow howard hughes's name gets brought up or like he's involved with something it's like his whole <laughs> life is just an entire gray area Every time. that's all it is it's just a big gray yeah. area <laughs> <laughs> um December 25th 1899 we have another birthday um for the film actor hey. Humphrey Bogart who was <laughs> he was born in 1899 and died in 1957 and holy cow I did not I did not realize until this show that we or until the show prep for this show that he was actually born in the 1800s Yeah that's it was yeah. <laughs> almost wasn't. I mean, but, that's uh, pretty cool. I, I didn't know that either, though. Huh. Yeah. Um, he was born in New York City, um, and he's really, really well known for the uh, movies like The African Queen, which is a fantastic movie, uh, The Maltese Falcon, Casablanca. Everyone knows Casablanca. Um, and To Have and Have oh, Not. Classics. That's awesome. I mean, he was such a big name yes. when it came to that kind of thing, and you know, he had uh, he had some ties to the Rat Pack a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was kind of. I think he was he was around in the the uh, the beginning, um, the kind of the, you know the the beginning of these guys' careers, and uh, just kind of sprinkled in. Yep. You know, thereafter. Yeah. That's awesome, Humphrey Bogart. Ah, <laughs> uh, sweet. Yeah. He is. He's a cool December twenty seventh, eighteen thirty one, Charles Darwin set out from Plymouth, England, aboard the ship HMS Beagle, on his five year global scientific expedition. Darwin collected fossils and studied plants as well as animals, and gradually became um, gradually beginning to doubt that many diverse species of living things had sprung into existence at one moment. Um, which is the uh, creationism. So in eighteen fifty nine, he published. On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection. And that was kind of a huge controversial book at the time. Heck, you know, depending where you're where you're at. I mean, there's a huge Big controversy time. around Big it time. still. Um, you know, it was totally, totally going against the common... Um, rule of thought of the time. Yeah, and then you know, you know, back then a lot of these, like we talked about before, you know, beliefs are very religion based, um, and because mm-hmm. I mean that's how people are able to explain phenomena or understand the past. And you know, from his conclusion mm-hmm. in publishing this book that was that went widespread, it was it was something definitely new for the time and hard for people to believe or even imagine. Oh yeah, a lot of people, you know, took it as him, or you know, him and people like scientists like him, uh, you know, took it as they were kind of squashing on their, on their yep. own religion. Yeah, weird. Cool though. Um, <clears throat> it is. It is cool. December twenty ninth, nineteen sixty five. Uh, during the Vietnam War, North Vietnamese President Ho Chi Minh rejected the unconditional peace talks offered by the United States. And so it begins. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
and I know we've talked about that before, and that was just a whole big, big mess. That's really the best way to describe <laughs> a terrible that. mess that either a shouldn't <laughs> have happened or should have happened differently. Yeah, hand you know it still could have could have happened, but Ugh. handling it differently could have uh, worked out a little better. December thirtieth, nineteen eighty-eight, President Ronald Reagan and President-elect George H. Uh, w. Bush wore. Uh, subpoenaed to testify in the trial of uh, Oliver North, a former uh, tongue twister. Um, So they were subpoenaed to testify in the trial of Oliver North, a former White House aide implicated in the Iran-Contra affair in which arms were secretly sold to Iran while profits from the sale were diverted to guerrillas trying to topple the uh, Nicaraguan government in South America. That was a very long sentence. Um, yes, it was. Pretty much, H.W. Bush, as well as Ronald Reagan, were subpoenaed to testify against Oliver North for the selling of weapons um, to Iran to get money and support guerrilla warfare to try and inspire a revolution in the N- Nicaraguan government in South America. That's a pretty good sum up. Right, and it was really, a lot of it was... You know the actual uh, uh, the series of events. It was just a way to raise money and shuffle it around through various means to get yeah, it pretty to much an just end back goal. Channeling and and trying to which, which happens every <laughs> single. I know, day. I know. It's 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 a <laughs> problem. It's a problem. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. All right, here we have December thirty first. 1879, Thomas Edison provided the first public demonstration of his electric incandescent lamp at his laboratory in Menlo Park, New Jersey. And I really hope I didn't mispronounce Menlo because I don't actually know I how I think you're pronounced. right, though. It looks right. Um, I mean, that's awesome. I always think, <laughs> when I was reading this, I was I was thinking, uh, you know, like in Young Frankenstein. He's like, it's alive! Oh, I just want to see Thomas Edison's be I'm, like. It, I'm pretty sure there's very few similarities between Thomas Edison. I don't know, and man. Gene I think Wilder. you can make the connection. Did you have you seen Edison's hair? I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty. <laughs> anyway, sure. this is pretty cool. <laughs> this is really awesome. It is, and you know, of course, it, a lot of people. Probably would have gotten done anyway because I think it, if I remember right, it was kind of one of those things where it's a race to oh, be yeah. the first to do it. And, uh, but, you know, someone's got to be the first. And it's cool, you know, that he, it was a, it was cool that it was such a big deal and it was a public demonstration, um, you know, of and his then, invention. Oh my gosh. Okay. So one of my favorite quotes, too, is from what <laughs> I've heard from Edison is that somebody was like, um, like you failed making the light bulb, and he was like, "I didn't, I didn't fail. I found two hundred ways not to like, not to make a light bulb work, but I only needed to find one." Oh yeah, to do it. Mm-hmm. One of those inspirational quotes yeah, about exactly. failure. He invented two hundred yeah. ways not to mm-hmm. make a light bulb. <laughs> Super cool. Anyway, well, one last question. So you think he used all the light bulbs to make those weird glasses for the New Year's? So, New Year's coming in 1880, make, like, light bulb glasses out of them? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. I could be wrong. (laughs) I could be wrong. 
I don't think there's any pictures around that show, that show of him <laughs> celebrating. Oh my God! Anyway, that is this month in December for you guys here at Young Nostalgia, and that's a wrap. Thanks again so much for joining us as we uh, continue our journey through retro pop culture. Again, just a you know small little jab. We are glad to support Emily and her Etsy shop began in 2014. Called Cozy Knits by Real Big Stitch. Real Big Stitch. Gosh dang it. Cozy Knits by Real Big Stitch. That's R E E L <laughs> Big Stitch. And if you enter Young Nostalgia, all uppercase, no spaces, you'll receive 10% off your order of handcrafted knit goods, um, including hats and pet accessories, as well as coffee sleeves and scarves. Check her out. We'll put her link in our bio um, for this episode. And let us know what you think. And if you could, we always love it when you uh, rate and comment on the show on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Play, Stitcher, and now Spotify. If you'd like to be a guest or like what you hear, want to give us any feedback personally, give us an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. Anyway, I think uh, this show was awesome. Kind of laid back, but we had a good time. Anything else, big guy? Nope, not nothing other than you know. Go check out uh, Real Big Stitch. It's always it's always great to uh, support a listener, and also uh, it's a good way for uh, some Christmas shopping. You know, coming up into the holidays. Definitely ten percent off code Young Nostalgia all uppercase, no spaces. Without further ado, as we always say here on Young Nostalgia, keeping the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody. <laughs>